from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode number 74. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pen 7 from Smile and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hey, Mike. And Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey, boys. Big week. Lots of video really? this week. <laughs> That's not a big week at all, is, is it? it? I just figured I'll go with that. Yeah, well, not much is happening. Uh, we got we got the goods last week with uh, the new Apple betas, a mm-hmm. bunch of releases and announcements. This week, we're uh, I wouldn't say we're talking to ourselves, but we're close. Yeah, we we are. Uh, we thought out a topic from the cryogenic chamber. Um, mm-hmm. And that's going to be on the episode a little later on. But we've been waiting to talk about it for a while. But, uh, Stephen, I believe that you have some follow-up uh, based on 9.3. I do. Uh, I just thought it would be nice to follow up on Night Shift in particular. I believe that all three of us are running the beta currently. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm running the public beta, which I haven't ever done before. I've always run the developer builds. This time, I just I kind of wanted to see what that process was like. It's really nice. You do it all on your phone. and. Down certificate is really actually really nice now. Hey Hackett, do you know that I still use your uh, developer account to download the betas? Did you know that? <laughs> Why? <laughs> you, you know our company has one. <laughs> oh yeah, that. that's a good point. I'll just do that in future. Yeah, I've been using your uh, developer account since like, like my five twelve one. Yeah, yeah, your five twelve one. I didn't think I was still paying for that. I should look into that. You are. I use it. <laughs> uh, I think we should try to have Mike do some developer stuff and see what happens. I accept all of the NDAs for you and stuff. Oh, good. <laughs> just so you know. If you ever see any alerts in there, let me know. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Mike's just spending money on iTunes under that account. Uh, <laughs> Don't look at your receipts. I um, We spoke about it last time. I've used Flux for years, and I like instantly have loved this on ios and it works really well and it's it's pretty nice you can go in there you can turn it off you can turn it on you can adjust um how dark or how like red it gets which is pretty nice um i think it's really well done what do you what do you guys think y'all liking it i i really like night shift i installed flux on my mac and uh, it's a lot more um tricky to to set up and yeah uh because of my weird hours and stuff like one evening my my mac was just orange the entire screen was orange because it's trying to judge by the times that you actually should and shouldn't be on the computer and it was basically telling me to go to bed but i still right. was working so i had to, i had to tweak it quite a bit and i haven't really found that to be the case with yeah. ios I, I pushed the slider up a bit so at its warmest it gets a bit warmer than it was the, the color um but it's a it's way simpler but with flux you get way more features right which is why it's more complicated yeah my experience with uh with Night Shift, and I did the same as Mike. I installed Flux on my, my computer. Um, and my experience so far is Night Shift on iOS 9.3 is really nice, really easy to use. I can set a custom schedule, and I've grown really accustomed to it already yeah. uh, to the point where I'm, I'm showing the features uh, to my friends, and they're really uh, into the idea. You know, uh, when you're in bed and the lights are turned off, the, the screen is less of an of a eye-burning sensation <laughs> to your eyes. Uh, the problem is, with Flux on the Mac, it's really trickier to use, and it almost feels... I mean, Flux is like my mother. Uh, no matter how many times I explain that I work late in the evenings and I don't want my computer screen to be orange at you know 9 p.m., it keeps making my screen orange, and I really don't like it. And I, I forgot to turn off the feature 
a few days ago and I opened the computer at about 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. and the screen was like red. And yeah, that's it, what I, I was had. like, what's going on here? The tip <laughs> and, that I have, Federico, because I was trying to adjust it and it wasn't working. If you tell it you wake up at like 11 or 12, so there's a, there's a little slide, like a little uh, button you can click to say what time you wake up, that's what fixes it. It pushes the whole schedule out. Mm. So I told it I wake up at 10 a.m. and it's it's made it way more usable for me later in no, the day. Okay. Yeah. I just like, I guess, the, the, the iOS implementation better. It's just easier to use. There's a custom schedule, you set that, there's a slider, and mm-hmm. you're done. Uh, yeah. But I'm really, I'm really liking it. And in fact, I'm wondering how did I go so many years without this sort of, you know, yellow uh, display during the night? Mm-hmm. And I wonder what damage did I cause to my eyes all these uh, years? It's fine. I don't know if it's damaged. Like, you know, I don't know how damaging it is. I don't know. How- like, I was listening to ATP and they were talking about, like, studies that were saying it maybe is better or maybe isn't. But that's not why i like it i like it just because it's more pleasant like i just find it more pleasant to use i'm not using it because i'm worried that i'm burning my retinas i just think it's just a nicer experience and and i hope that um i really hope that apple bring it to the apple watch because i look at my watch now and it's like a flashlight it's yes it's it's ridiculous when when my watch goes off in the evening i'm like ah it really does like grab me like really just like it affects me quite deeply yeah, the white text on the watch is like blue after you use the iPhone yeah. or the iPad with Night Shift. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, it could be a placebo effect that now that the feature is new, it's looking super amazing to me. Uh, but I feel like I can sleep better because my 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 eyes don't feel as much strain as before. Uh, because, uh, you know, I'm one of those people. I use the iPhone or the iPad until the very last point before I fall asleep. So Because I'm reading, uh, and I feel like it's more pleasant, and it's it makes me, you know, um, more relaxed in a way. Uh, Justin tweeted to us and asked if we thought that it would make its way to the Apple TV. And I'm not really sure why that would exist for the TV. Because you're watching stuff, and and I think probably the best thing is not to have the colors like really affected when you're watching a movie. Yeah, so I have um, on my Flux setup on the Mac, you can you can tell it to like opt out of certain applications. So for me, if I have Photoshop in the foreground, or if I have iTunes in the foreground, um, it disables because it, especially um, TV shows that are sort of like or, or movies that are sort of have dramatic coloring so something like breaking bad i noticed it where you know a lot of their palettes are are sort of already kind of orangey warm colors that flux really messes with that so i I agree with you i think it'd be weird on the apple tv once you're in content but i would not mind it being an option when you're like zipping around the menus or at least something that is darker i mean the the old apple tv basically was a black background like like iOS used to be way back in the day before you could set your own wallpaper. And now it's that much lighter color and it is it is brighter. There's more light coming from that UI now. So I think it'd be nice if night shift's not the right answer, something on the Apple TV to make it to make it darker, especially when you're when you're navigating around. Um but uh to, to back up to a second, you know Federica you're saying, you know, you, you couldn't believe you made it this long without it. Um, I was showing it to my wife actually just last night. Um, she had her phone out and had my phone out. She's not running the beta. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, like we talked about this on the show, but it's, it's this thing. Because I've, I've tried to get her into Flux in the past and she's, she just isn't interested. And uh, I learned a long time ago, 
not to force technology upon her unless it's something like backup strategy. But, um, so I was showing her the phone and she's like, oh, that really is nice. Like it really does feel better on my eyes. And I found that interesting, uh, A, that now she wants me to install Flux on her MacBook, but that people who haven't been part of this conversation of like blue light is ba- potentially bad for you, um, that it just, it feels better, that it, that it just looks better. It's nicer to use. And all of, like the science stuff aside, which ATP talked a lot about, you know, I think it's just a better experience for people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was that conversation on ATP, I believe, last week about the idea that it, it makes it easier to go to sleep. And, and Flux says that to a degree that Apple doesn't say it to the same degree. And, you know, just kind of, is it actually scientifically valid or is it, again, just something that's kind of nice? And I, I don't know where it falls in that. I'm not here to, to answer that question. But I do find it interesting that in iOS uh, 9 itself, if you go to the displays settings uh, where this blue light reduction is, the little helper text is, when enabled, blue light reduction allows your eyes to relax so that falling asleep is easier. Again, not saying that it helps you sleep better, but that falling asleep could be easier. It's just sort of like quasi-scientific language um, that I find it interesting to see how they explain it because... There may be those benefits, but at least in the you know our very limited sample size of us, it is just nicer. And there's nothing wrong with it just being nicer if that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Cosmetic changes are some of the best types of changes, right? It it feels nice, it looks nice, and this is one of those things that makes kind of iOS feel new in a different kind of way, right? Like it's got a new thing to it, which again, like is is very interesting as to why they did it now. Um, and I'm I'm very interested to see what June holds. Yeah, maybe yeah. because they know that from now until June, there's going to be a lot of bloggers staying up late at night, working on rumors and news. All for you, man. Do, they they want to help them, you know, sleep better. That's that that must be the reason. Yeah, I reckon so. That's right. I- internally, it's the uh, Federico uh, feature. Federico <laughs> yeah, also Mike. You know, Mike does quite a bit a lot of late night working and podcasting. Yep. Now, you know, Mike is a busy guy, so we got we to gotta respect Mike's eyes. Yeah, I can't say that using Night Shift on my iPad is helping me sleep better, um, but I know that when I'm using it in bed at 2 a.m., it's nicer. And it's not as bright, you know, so it doesn't affect Adina, right, when she's trying to sleep. Right. So um, there's been a long-standing joke on the show and the show's predecessor that um, Mike has a shopping problem and i think that's overstated i don't want to i don't want to beat you up mm-hmm. uh so this week we're going to beat up federico a little bit <laughs> okay well thank you what have you bought what have you bought federico i bought an old macintosh computer <laughs> <laughs> no, started a collection no, not really i bought i bought a sonos play one and it's Yay. all your fault steven uh, because you, you were talking about uh, the Sonos and, you know, the, the, the speaker was nice. You said the, the, the app was also nice. And I, I got curious and I got on Amazon. There was a very small discount, but still uh, was a discount. So I used that as an excuse. And um, I bought a Play One and it's now in my living room. And I got to say, it is nice. It sounds great. And... Despite the fact that I cannot use uh, Apple's music app with uh, AirPlay to send audio to the speakers, uh, you got to use the, the proprietary uh, Sonos uh, iPhone app. It's really nice, and it's got a couple of features that I prefer over Apple's 
music app. And those two features are uh, the fact that you can add multiple services to the app. So uh, you can, uh, in my example, I added uh, the local music library, uh, Apple Music, and SoundCloud. So from the same search screen, you can search for a song and you get results uh, organized in different sources within the same screen. So last night, for example, I was looking for uh, the remix of a song and it was not not available on Apple Music because in the results screen, I got the official original song, but in the same screen, I also got the remix from SoundCloud. So I like that I can look for music in multiple sources and, and with, within the same app, send audio to the, to the play one. I also like the fact that you can mark as favorite any item. So I, you can essentially create bookmarks and I believe they're called uh, Sonos favorites. And so I, I added a couple of Apple music playlists to the favorite screen, an album, a couple of songs. So depending on what I'm into lately, I can create these bookmarks so I can get, get to them more quickly. And that's nice. Um, the setup with Apple Music, and you didn't mention this, Stephen, because you don't use Apple Music. Uh, it was also pretty good, I would say. Basically, when you, when you install the Sonos app, you, you got to go into the setting screen and accept the beta program. And the beta program allows you to access beta channels, so beta audio sources. And one of them is Apple Music. When you uh, reboot, uh, actually, you got to quit the app and reopen it for the setting to show up. You accept Apple Music and you're taken to this uh, custom permission screen in the Apple Music app and it says you're logged in as you with your Apple ID do you want to authorize Sonos to uh, connect to your Apple Music account you say yes and then I came across a bug that wasn't redirecting me to the Sonos app uh, but after uh, like 30 seconds it did take me back to Sonos and Apple Music was a source so when you're when you're back into the Sonos app and your Apple Music account is connected uh, you get access to uh, the For You recommendations, the new the t- uh, section, the top charts, Apple Music playlists uh, by you know the Apple Music uh, editorial team. You can search, you can view uh, new releases, top charts, basically everything that Apple Music does. Well, almost everything because there's no connect. Um, you cannot uh, love songs, you know, with a little heart icon, uh, but everything else works and it's nice. Uh, I, I really do like the way that the Sonos app is designed and, you know, uh, the bookmark feature, uh, of course the performance of the play one is great. I do love how it sounds. Uh, one thing that I'm skeptical about is because of the this external integration uh, between Sonos and Apple Music and the lack of the ability to like a song. I wonder if when you listen to to Apple Music inside Sonos app, does it train the Apple Music algorithm to kind of understand what you like? So my fear is that uh, as long as I listen to Sonos, uh, my taste in Apple Music won't be updated to reflect what I'm listening to. Uh, or maybe it does. It, it really doesn't say. I couldn't find any um, documentation or, you know, FAQ section explaining the, the how the integration works. But as long as the listening experience goes, it's I gotta say, it's pretty well done. The Play One sounds great. Now I, I was talking to Steven and Mike before the show. I kind of want to buy, uh, buy a Play 5 
five, uh, but it's really expensive. Um, so I guess I'm I'm just gonna use the plain one for now. It's it it also looks great. I invited a bunch of friends for dinner last weekend, and every one of them was like, "Hey, what's that? It looks great." Uh, so I think the Sonos as a uh, home accessory also has a nice feel and look to it, which is welcome. And so, uh, for now, count me as a satisfied customer. I just wonder, the the, the nerd in me wonders uh, about the integration with Apple Music, but it's in beta, so, you know, maybe by the final release we'll get a, a love icon and all the other features. Why do you like it more than your Bose? Because you can just send everything via AirPlay to the Bose sound link that you have. Because it's louder and it sounds better. Okay, so you actually find that not it's not just a software thing. Like that speaker is much oh, no, better than yeah. the Bose speaker. Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. no, it sounds better. And uh, when you when you do the first setup, <laughs> so this is funny. Uh, Sono says, "What's the name, Stephen, of the uh, like real audio? What did they call it? Clear audio or something?" Uh, yeah, something. Oh, is that the thing where you have to walk around your room? Yes, you have to walk around your room and scan your room with the iPhone microphone. So my girlfriend walked out on me uh, while I was doing that, and I was basically telling her to stay quiet, and she was like looking at me and, and just wondering what I was doing. Uh, I looked like a crazy person walking around the, the kitchen with an iPhone and just waving the iPhone around, and, there was, and the Sonos was playing like a little continuous beep. It was quite unsettling, but uh, yeah, it, it, sounds, it sounds better than the Bose, and it sounds great as a speaker in general. Now we're going to get the follow-up from Audiophiles telling us that there are much better speakers around, but I don't care because it looks great, uh, works well. So Steven was right, dare I say, uh, but I, I wouldn't say that I have a shopping problem. Based on your recommendations, I would get one, um as I say, like if my, our home situation was different, right? And if, if, you know, if we were in our own place already, this is something that I would probably probably get because you two both seem very uh, very effusive about it. And when you're like that, as you know, the same thing was with the the six plus, right? If one if one of us likes something this much, we probably all will. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. And um, you know, to Federica's point, mine is out in the kitchen, and we've had people over and like. It doesn't look like a piece of technology sitting out there on the counter. It 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 does a remarkably good job at being understated while looking nice, and that that is important for something that's going to be part of your home, right? Like things in the kitchen or things out in the living room, like in these common areas, should look good, and it's nice that they play into that. So, thumbs up uh, from uh, two of the th- of the three connected co-hosts. Yeah. Before we move in to our first break for this week's episode, we should ask the question, Federico Vitici, has Google Docs or Google Sheets been updated <laughs> for iOS 9? Um, well, no. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, guys. It's just not happening. Um, uh, we, keep, we keep mentioning these and, uh, you know, no. I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. This week's episode is brought to you by Smile and PDF Pen. PDF Pen is your Swiss army knife for working with 
PDFs. It has all of the basics covered, such as filling in the signing forms, making edits, highlighting, and using OCR so you can take the text from a PDF and you can put it anywhere that you need to, just very easily just being able to copy and paste the powerful OCR built into PDF Pen. You'll also be a PDF wizard when you use things like redaction, the ability to export a PDF, a marked up PDF as in a Word format, uh, page numbering, and Bates numbering as well. And with PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone, you'll be able to take control of contracts and forms no matter where you are. Also, if you're the type of person who enjoys a paperless office, PDF Pen is for you. No more printing, scanning, and faxing. You can just receive a PDF by email or a document by email. You can sign it right on the device that you're on and email it straight back. You'll be on your way. You can just fill in and sign. Now, I had a, a great experience with PDF Pen on my iPad yesterday evening. I had to create a contract, um, and I wrote it up in pages, right? So I just typed everything out in pages, and then I could just op- I could just very easily send the PDF from pages directly into PDF Pen, where I was able to open it up on my iPad. I grabbed my Apple Pencil, signed it, and then I just uploaded it directly to Dropbox so I could grab it as an attachment to email out. It was super, super simple. I love the kind of the seamless experience that PDF Pen gives me. I can just jump into it, get what I need, and very, very easily export it out. Smile offers a bunch of great tutorials about PDF Pen from Mr. David Sparks. These short videos will teach you everything that you need to know about PDF Pen 7, and you can find these and more information over at smilesoftware.com connected. PDF Pen 7 and PDF Pen Pro 7 require Yosemite and work beautifully on El Capitan. PDF Pen for iOS is available on the App Store. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. So a few weeks ago, Federico, um, you mm-hmm. created a, and you were tweeting about this a bunch, but I don't think that you've you've written it up or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. You kind of shot, edited, and posted um, a video to YouTube all with your iOS devices, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, dance video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what? Just explain kind of the background for this video, um, so people can understand what it was and, and what it's all about. Well, uh, the, the backstory is my girlfriend studies um, hip-hop uh, in a local dance school here in Rome. And um, the, there's different groups of people there. And a few months ago, uh, some of her friends were talking about uh, recording a choreography video uh, and posting it on YouTube. Because this is uh, something, uh, you know, recording uh, uh, routines and choreographies that they do quite often at the school. So the teachers can either collaborate with students or they leave students to do that uh, by themselves to kind of form uh, smaller crews and uh, create a choreography and eventually make a video and and share it on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, So we were talking during the summer about uh, recording a video and because uh, Sylvia and her friends know about my, you know, my interest in technology and, and the fact that I that I have always the latest iPhones and the fact that the iPhone has a decent camera, uh, they were like, you know, you should maybe record a video on on an, on the iPhone because uh, maybe it'll turn out to be a decent one. And in September, when I bought the Cicas Plus with you know additional camera improvements, uh, the topic surfaced again and. So we decided that by November slash December, we would get together after they, of course, uh, decided the the choreography and the music uh, to record a video. So I offered to shoot the video and edit the video with uh, with the devices that I own. And I made it very clear from the outset that I 
couldn't use a Mac because I don't have any uh, professional video editing apps on the Mac or the knowledge to use, uh, you know, a Mac for for such a task. And I'm assuming you also saw this as a nice little challenge for yourself. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It was a nice challenge, and I always like to, you know, to mix. I'm about to sound terrible, but I I like to mix favors with personal interests. Um, you know, I, I yeah. was doing a favor to my friend, but it, it, it was also an opportunity to say, you know, this is going to be nice for me because maybe I can write about it. Maybe I can, you know, get in touch with developers or I can talk about it on the show. Uh, and I always like when, when you know, uh, I can try different apps and kind of get out of my uh, my workflow, with which is basically just writing. I always like when I can turn things that happen in my life into show topics. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. Um so, you know, I said, yes, uh, sure, let's do it. And the girls decided the, the music. Um, Sylvia did the, 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 the editing and the mixing for the track because they, they wanted to uh, cut out some, some seconds uh, here and there from, from the music. And so we, we settled on the equipment that was needed to shoot the video. So I was using my iPhone 6S Plus, uh, the, the audio during the shooting process was coming out of the, my Bose uh, portable Bluetooth speaker. Um, and this is one aspect that I uh, couldn't quite understand. So I asked the girls, so how does it work when you, when you dance and there's music in the background and then you got to remove the, you know, the background audio from the, the, the videos and you got to overlay the clean track from the MP3 file. And I thought there was maybe some kind of signal, you know, that the girls would have to kind of suggest later when I needed to cut the track. But basically the process was really simple. You just mute the track, get a couple of dancers with you during the editing process, and they tell you where to put in the music. <laughs> uh, the, so, so, yeah, that was basically, there's no fancy system for overlaying the music after. You just got to get the dancers and tell you, and the choreographer to tell you, okay, this is where the music goes. It's an art, man. Yeah. Uh, so during the we 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 were lucky because we picked one morning that was really nice weather, and we shot the video at the park where we also go to have parties at night. We talked about this before. It's a public park and it's got a couple of uh, areas where you can uh, play around. You know, there's uh, kids playing football, or you know, there's other dancers also practicing the practicing their routines. Um, so we picked a location. Uh, I took my Bose, my iPhone 6S Plus, and I bought a Joby Gorilla Pod. You know, one of those yep. um, like arms yeah, that yeah. you can wrap around things. Uh, I used my tripod and. Um, which is also a selfie stick, by the way. It's an accessory that I bought on Amazon last summer. So I had that, a couple of extra uh, of external batteries for the iPhone, uh, you know, in case it was running out of power and i also downloaded a different camera app than the the standard one it was called pro camera because i wanted to be a pro right that was my thinking yeah, uh, so i research i researched a few a few of this topic so i looked at austin mann's blog i read a couple of reviews of the iphone as a camera from you know photographers and and people who shot video on, on the iphone i watched some youtube videos so i knew what i had to do uh, but i just wanted to make sure that i had the best apps for the job and i thought the pro camera was going to be a good option 
it wasn't because I, I didn't really understand the interface and eventually I realized very quickly you know uh, during the, the shooting process that what we needed was just the standard camera app with the, the exposure and focus lock so you know I just I shot a couple of, uh, of videos with the with the pro camera app I noticed uh, some inconsistencies with the with the output and just went back to the to the standard camera app by Apple um, also another decision that we made we wanted to have the video, of course, in 1080p HD, uh, no 4K because it wasn't necessary. Why? Well, because the the file size was going to be huge, and I thought that was going to be uh, maybe a concern with editing different a lot of videos at once on the iPad. It, probably it wasn't going to be an issue, but I still have said, you know, most of you guys at the school uh, don't even shoot videos in. 720p uh i think we're gonna be fine if we do 1080p and upload to youtube that's gonna be all you that you need really uh it wasn't maybe a future proofing decision uh but i still think that for now you know uh people don't have 4k tvs or 4k displays at least not the people that i know here the people who are gonna watch the video at the school or you know other dancers so uh, you know i think 1080p is just fine um Another decision that we kind of struggled uh, was whether we were going to do uh, 30 frames per second or 60. And after many tests, we chose to go with the uh, 60 frames per second because of the fluidity of the movements. And it just it looked uh, strange initially. Yeah, 60 frames per second does look weird. It, yes. looks, it looks weird, but for choreographies and dance routines i think you can tell the difference uh between 30 and 60 and 60 looks much much better because you can catch all of the movements and yeah if what you're trying to do is display movement then 60 frames per second is better because you'll catch more of it is uh, that would be my assumption anyway yeah and it it was really tricky to explain um and to show the differences and why it mattered, because again, you know, they these are not uh, the kind of tech people that follow, you know, the latest specs for the new iPhones and what does it mean to have a video with the, you know, specific frames per second. They just wanted to have a good video, and but I think in the end, I you know, showing uh, the same the same video in 30 frames per second and 60 uh i convinced them to do 60 and they all loved it so that that was yeah. nice um the morning of the shooting um we got nice weather which was nice um and what i really had to do was make sure that the iphone was on a stand and it was you know wasn't moving and I had my iPad with the documents uh, app by Riddle with the MP3 file. And what I needed to do was connect the Bose to the iPad and play uh, the segment of the song that they needed to record the, 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 the section for over and over. So I had my iPad next to me, the iPhone uh, on the tripod recording the, 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 the girls. And I was just saving the video uh, for each section to the camera roll. And other highlights and maybe struggles. Um, at one point, I needed to um, record a section where I was walking and walking towards the the girl in the middle of the group. And 
I didn't buy one of those shoulder mounts for the iPhone that stabilizes your uh, your camera when you walk or when you move around. And in hindsight, I should have bought one of those uh, because the section of the video that I don't like is when I walk and go towards the, the group of, uh, of dancers. So you wanted like a steady cam type? Yeah, I wanted like a static. I saw on Amazon there's like chest mounts or shoulder mounts. And uh, right. for the next video, because we're doing one, um, I'm probably going to get one of those um, because I want to make sure that it, that it holds steady as I walk or, you know, pan around, and that kind of stuff. Uh, the other section that I liked doing, because it was quite funny and original, uh, I had to lay on the ground... Uh, wrap the the joby around the iphone put the joby gorilla pod on the ground and with the little tilting arm that the joby has i needed to pan slowly with the camera because there's like a section of the song where the camera goes from right to left and then again from left to right and i needed to <laughs> just lay on the ground and <laughs> and i looked like like a, something was wrong because there were people walking and they were looking at me just you know, all laid on the ground, just moving this phone. Uh, it was quite the scene. It was quite the scene. There were people looking, definitely. When you um, do things like this, you have to remove any embarrassments that you would normally have in life. Oh, no. I, you know, I, I just don't care, whatever. It's not like I was stealing something. I was just recording a video. And it, there was quite an audience there because there were other people watching. Uh, and I, I think I looked more professional than I really was. I really... Uh, <laughs> Hey, really, I wouldn't say that I didn't know what I was doing, but it's just, you know... You were kind of making it up as you were going along, right? Like, exactly. you'd never done it before. No, never. First time. Um, mm. So we were done, I would say, in about two, three hour stops. And we recorded other sections where the, the main uh, character from the video, uh, my friend Julia, uh, was just <laughs> walking around doing silly things because we wanted to have, like, filler sections mm -hmm. and uh, by the end of that we we went home and it was all done in in yeah three hours i would say so you're filming over a couple of hours how long was any one shot i mean did you we did you yeah. how long was any one section of recording uh i would say between usually between 40 seconds and two minutes okay and the the phone kept up with that okay i know some oh, yeah. uh even some like full-size air quotes Super big air quotes, real cameras. Um, you know, you've got sort of a time limit before the sensor gets too warm, and you've got to they've got to shut the shutter and and sort of reset. But the phone kept up fine. It sounds like. Oh yeah, no, it was perfect. I kept the phone open in the camera app all the time, and actually, I noticed the saving process because I I was uh, I, one of my concerns was uh, maybe the the camera app will go crazy after saving what was that like fifty files in a row one after the other to the camera roll, and instead it just worked flawlessly. Actually, the problem was when I got home and I plugged my phone into the the power outlet, it started backing up to iCloud, and my wife. I got crazy because I couldn't I was like what's going on what's my Wi-Fi down and he said it was the iPhone backing up to iCloud immediately yeah alright so what does the edit process look like what were you using to edit these files together into the final video so before um, during the research phase before shooting the video um, my what I knew my, my very limited knowledge was that Apple makes iMovie so my idea was, okay, can I use Final Cut? Because I 
don't own Final Cut and I don't I I don't feel bad saying this. I don't know how to use a Mac anymore. Um so I want to do this on the iPad. I got an iPad Pro. It's powerful. Apple makes it to be uh you know a powerful device for video, video editing. I want to use my iPad Pro. So what are my options? I looked at iMovie. I imported a bunch of old videos into iMovie. And now I know that we're going to get a lot of people saying, oh, you could do this and this with iMovie. It's a great app. I just cannot figure out how to use iMovie on the iPad. There's something or maybe more, a bunch of different aspects about the interface or the features that I don't get. I don't understand how to you know, place videos, how to overlay text, how to do transitions. And I, I'm quite positive that I'm not completely stupid. And there's something about, you know, the UI or the gestures that I don't get. So I started looking at options on the App Store. And what I wanted was ideally like a final cut made by other people. That was my idea. Um, I couldn't find one. I did find a lot of camera apps with uh, even advanced ones that do 4K, have a lot of professional settings. You know, these are the, the apps that like TV crews use. Um, they, they, those apps had like basic video editing features built in. But what I wanted was not a camera app with some video editing features. I wanted a professional, powerful video editing app. What I then remembered was that a few years ago, Avid used to make uh, their video editing app for the iPad. And I remember because I wrote about it on Mac Stories, but the app uh, disappeared at one point. It was discontinued by Avid. And what I discovered was that some folks at the, the developers are called Luma Studio, I believe. Uh, they acquired the assets of the app or they licensed maybe uh, uh, from Avid. Anyway, they make now what is called Pinnacle Studio and Pinnacle Studio Pro. Uh, for the iPhone and the iPad, which is essentially the successor to Avid on iOS. And it immediately clicked with me. Uh, the interface, how you place videos in the timeline, how you organize uh, text effects or transitions or how you import music from ex external sources. Uh, everything about Pinnacle Studio kind of plays well with the way that I think about video editing and, you know, importing files, um, making transitions, cutting, you know, little seconds here and there. So I downloaded, uh, I bought Pinnacle Studio Pro uh, from my iPad Pro on uh, like uh, four or five days before the video. And I spent all of those days learning the, the documentation, watching the tutorial videos, reading on the forums. And when the when after the you know the day of the shooting when I went back home, I started putting the videos into into Pinnacle Studio Pro to get an idea: uh, is this gonna work out or what? Uh, and I, and you know early results were positive, so I invited the girls over to to do the video editing together, uh, especially you know, because of the music and because the, my my friend Julia had to decide you know which kind of shoots and and sheen, and scenes to use, uh, and we we just. We just went from there and we did it all in, in Pinnacle Studio Pro for the editing. For the effects, we use a bunch of other apps. And I assume you guys want to wanna know about them. Yeah, I just wanted to mention about Pinnacle that it's um, it's hard to look at. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it is not pretty. No, uh, it's really, really not pretty. Like, And it's not even, like, okay, if it does the job, great, but it really is not good looking. And it's not just like bad looking in 
a weird way. It's like it doesn't even look like an iOS app in places. No, yeah, no, no. It looks like a like a Windows app. Maybe if I sometimes. if I was looking for an app in the App Store and saw this one, like I wouldn't get it. Yeah, I would look at yeah. the screenshots and be like, nah. <laughs> and this is why this is why I think it's so it's so important sometimes to go beyond the app icon or the screenshots and to actually take a look at the functionalities because Pinnacle doesn't look great. It doesn't even look good, I would say, but it works. It's very functional. But like, it's difficult though, right? Because the UI is is all you have, and if you're looking at the screenshots and it and it it looks horrific, like how do you know that it's good? Well, you know, like that's that's. I mean, that's the problem, right? And then you go into the whole like there should be more editorial, blah 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 blah, right? Like, but I guess this is kind of the job that people like you do, right? Yeah, I, I, every time I I face a problem that requires software, uh, and I don't know my options, um, or I know that an option exists, but I'm not completely sure about it. I kind of take a leap of faith every time I buy something from the App Store. And so I, I took a look at the features and the app was updated for iOS 9 and the iPad Pro. Uh, it supported all the, the stuff that I wanted, like uh, 4K, 1080p, 60 frames per second. Um, it could be integrated with Dropbox to import uh, the audio file that I had. And when I also noticed that it was the, the, the new version of Avid, um, I just it, it all came back to me. I remember that back in the day that we're talking about four years ago, uh, I had the same reaction with iMovie and Avid. I just preferred Avid by uh, wide margin to Apple's uh, take on video editing, and so yeah, it didn't look pretty. And mm. I mean, in some places it looks terrible, um, but I had a feeling that it could be functional and it could be what I wanted. So I downloaded the app, and I still think you know there's a it could be improved in a lot of ways. But when it comes to working and making a video, um, I, I would say I'm I'm super happy that I bought it because you know it got me from a 50 files to a video on YouTube, and a, you know uh, pretty happy with the result. So, what do you think? Uh was maybe made more difficult in using iOS for this process. Did you come up to anything or come up against anything that was like, ah, I can see that iOS is making this tricky for me? Yeah, well, aside from limitations of the app, so, of course, if you get Final Cut or, you know, uh, what's the the one that Adobe makes, uh, Premiere? Premiere, uh, mm-hmm. You get tons more features. Uh, there's no question about that so i was already limiting myself to a subset of features that you know professional video editing people get in desktop apps but ios itself i would say a couple of limitations i did see and it comes down to the photos app and the way that you manage files and the way that you export files so the first issue was I wanted to be able to do some basic organization and do some kind of tagging, you know, yeah. to kind of attach metadata to files to say, okay, this is a wide shoot, this is a panoramic shoot, this is a photo. And I wanted to have some 
me I, I don't know the correct terminology but maybe like project management to do okay i want to tag these videos i want to put these assets together and I couldn't do that in the photos app. I could only do folders or I could like uh, videos yeah. uh, but I wanted something more to organize the, the assets. And also I assume working on a project like this is where you start to feel the issues of there not being like a central accessible file system. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, because you know um, Pinnacle has a, has a photos uh, UI it's not a it's not a traditional popover it actually uh displays all the the videos from your camera roll in a in a custom list and it's nice because it, pinnacle remembers um like if you set a, a different starting point or a different cut point in a video it remembers that the next time you import the file from the the photos app so it's doing the job of saving some metadata about the files it does right. it does but the moment you delete those files from your device you know to save space it sort of goes crazy and you need to put the files back again into the photos app otherwise you cannot open the project uh, so i don't know if it's a limitation of pinnacle or if it's apple or, or it must be both yeah. but I, I what i knew was I was thinking, man, it'd be nice to have some tags or folders here. Um, and the second problem was I we wanted to apply some additional effects and edits to the videos before importing them in, in Pinnacle. So we used a video grade uh, to do what's called color grading. Uh, it basically lets you define the same sort of color effect and tints and you know saturation that kind of stuff because we wanted to have like a grungy fading feel to the video and every time i export it from reader grade it creates another copy in the in, in the <laughs> photos app and i know that you know you gotta do that because of course you gotta export a new file with the with the settings applied uh, but still you know it relates to the first problem you end up with all these files and you cannot tag them and it would have been nice for example to have a a single view of all these assets in the Photos app and have maybe a little icon or a little badge next to the ones exported from VideoGrade to say, yeah, you exported this from VideoGrade so you can filter by app that you exported from. It's like even giving them a file name. No, help, you cannot. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I wanted to give them a file name and, and I couldn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> iOS actually has file names, uh, but you don't see them. And uh, you can access them with workflow. You can do stuff with the file names, but you cannot do that natively. And when you work on a project like this, uh, it becomes a problem. Uh, I was going to say, just how was struggling the storage? I mean, you've got the the 128 gig iPad Pro, right? Yeah. Um. I mean, were you? Was there a lot of juggling stuff around, or did you have a pretty decent uh, amount of storage where you weren't running into that very much? I I thought about that, uh, but eventually uh, storage was fine. Uh, it wasn't really a concern. What I, what I did was, uh, the moment I got home, I backed up with the image capture uh, all the files to my Mac, just to make sure that you know they were on another physical location. Could you have done that with a hard drive? You can, right? If you have the camera connection kit. Probably. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of uh, third-party companies making hard drives that let you back up photos and videos. I could have, but I didn't have one. Okay. Um, and then what we did was um, when the girls came over and we started looking at the footage, um, we were looking on the iPhone. So when there were 
bad shoots that were that was immediately clear we were not going to use them we just discarded them on the iphone so we were watching on the iphone and the videos that we liked on the iphone we airdropped from the iphone to the ipad uh, to transfer them selectively, you know, just the ones we liked from the iPhone to the iPad. We looked again on the iPad, confirmed that we were going to edit that one, and we imported from the Photos app into into Pinnacle. And actually, uh, I got to say, AirDrop was okay. Uh, but I believe it's because, you know, latest iPhone, latest iPhone, decent local Wi-Fi connection. Uh I mean, if AirDrop failed in that case, I would have been disappointed, but it didn't. Once you get it working, it works. But yeah. sometimes the problem is just like it won't find any devices. It, it did get stuck yeah. a couple of times and it was fixed by switching to airplane mode, waiting a couple of seconds, uh, toggling you know, airplane uh, mode off and it was working again. What was made easier by iOS? Well, the, the downside of photos, you know, no management, no file names, no tagging. It's also the upside because you get all these photos straight and videos uh, straight from the camera app into a single location. And it's very easy to import and, you know, to preview. Uh, the footage lo- looks great from the iPhone 6S Plus. So it's nice to be able to just shoot and it's there. Uh, so that was nice, you know. Uh, I can imagine using a camera, you gotta use an SD card or a separate hard drive, import back on your computer. Uh, instead, on the iPhone, you j- the same device, the com- the same, I would say, computer. It's both the camera and the storage location, which was, you know, it, it was a nice experience. Um, on the iPad Pro, the the videos uh, looked and sounded great because of the screen and because of the speakers. Um, you could tell the difference between the iPad Air 2 and the iPad Pro, you know, when you do that kind of stuff. And especially with that song, when uh, where some movements uh, are based on a very specific beat in the song, and you got to catch that beat, which is usually like a drum beat or another electronic effect, uh, or the bass, you know, uh, you can tell with the speakers the difference between um, the iPad Pro and the R2. In fact, I, I never use headphones to overlay the footage with the song because, you know, the speakers were more than enough. Uh, and the iPad Pro, I would also say performance was great when, not just when editing, uh, because Pinnacle, it really is a powerful app. It uh, never uh, crashed or stopped working. Uh, when we exported from Pinnacle to the local Photos app in 1080p, uh, it took me about 20, 30 seconds. So um, I know that I, if I was doing this on my MacBook Air from 2011, um, it would have been a problem. I probably I wouldn't even been able to import all those files and and scroll the timeline in in Pinnacle. Instead on the iPad it's you know super smooth. I was scrolling always responsive. So performance of the of the hardware was really nice. So do you feel that next time you've you've got pretty much everything you need like setup wise uh, now? You feeling pretty confident? I'm in gonna it? buy. Uh, one of those uh, Steadicam accessories uh, because we already yep. know the next video is going to involve more walking and movement and zooming, you know, on, on dancers' mm-hmm. uh, faces. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to get new equipment there. And what we actually have to figure out is to YouTube. Uh, the biggest problem in the end was YouTube because the video got blocked 
on on mobile devices because of a copyright problem, of course, with the song. Uh, You got hit by the tag. Yes, I was hit by YouTube copyright system, the content ID. And it's stupid because on the desktop, they YouTube chose to show ads uh, from the, I believe, from the from the label, from the music label. Yeah, you can view them on. You can view the video on the desktop with ads, but you cannot view the video with ads on mobile devices. Which I don't understand. There's mm-hmm. just show a video, on, uh, show an ad on on mobile too. Uh, anyway, next time, I know the girls are probably gonna use a lesser known song from a smaller label uh so there's a good chance that maybe this label won't have any copyright problem uh if it does we're also considering uh vmail plus but the problem here is when when the video got blocked on youtube uh they asked me do we have any other options so the first option was just put the video on facebook uh and a lot of dance schools and, and crews do that these days uh, because, you know, you get the audio play, you get, you know, a lot of a lot of views. But that can also be a concern because a lot of those views, I wouldn't say they're fake, but they generate from autoplay. And instead, the girls wanted to have real metrics to kind of understand the video. And plus, you know, people go to YouTube and it's nice to be able to search on YouTube and find the video. Um but maybe if if uh, if uh, they want to have a proper you know portfolio or a web page where they can showcase the video in full quality, maybe we'll consider having a backup on on Vimeo. But you know we don't know yet. I'm gonna put just an interesting YouTube video um, from the In a Nutshell channel, which was previously called Kazgazat, which I can't say about how Facebook views work. It's fascinating, and yeah, you're right, they are fake yeah. in a lot of instances. But it's just, it's just if you are at all interested in that, it's fascinating. Plus, that channel's production quality is incredible. Mm-hmm. But so you should watch their videos anyway. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. the The content ID system is a problem. Like, so what are you looking at? Maybe Vimeo instead, other than Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's less of a platform. Yeah. Though, right? Exactly. The, it's more of a. Yeah, again, I, I use the word portfolio because if you want to have a website where you show off your videos, you can have a Vimeo embed and it's nice because you don't have to upload your the video to your own CDN, which of course the girls don't have. Uh, but it's less of a, it's less popular basically. People, people you know, uh, 20-somethings don't go to Vimeo and search for videos. They go to YouTube or they scroll, they scroll their Facebook feeds. And uh, so if, we, if we're going to end up using Vimeo, it'll only be a backup plan. Um, basically, we're just crossing our fingers that the next song won't be problematic with the content ID. And I know that uh, teachers at Silva School also have the same problem it's basically random sometimes the video is okay other times they block you other times it's okay for a couple of months and then they block you but only on some devices or in some countries for example the video uh, the ones that that i shot was originally blocked in germany and in germany only i don't understand why it's only in <laughs> germany uh maybe you know the germans don't like that kind of so i don't know uh but now it's blocked everywhere on mobile, but you can go on, on a desktop computer. And I'm pretty sure also if you use uh, an iPad, just request the desktop website for YouTube and you'll be able to to watch it. All right, so you weren't the only person uh, creating videos uh, for YouTube, but Stephen did it in the exact opposite way <laughs> to you. 
Uh, but before we talk about that, let's thank our friends over at Squarespace for helping support this week's show. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com. And you want to use the offer code WORLD at checkout. You will get 10% off if you do so. Squarespace, build it beautiful. With Squarespace, you'll be able to put a site online that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, with no coding experience required. But also with their intuitive and easy-to-use tools, you can make that website look and feel and operate exactly the way that you like. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology and fantastic page-building tools that will allow you to create a site that you want to to display to the world with easy drag-and-drop little widgets that they have. So you can drag-and-drop in galleries, you can drag-and-drop in audio players and and video players and all that cool stuff, and you can drag-and-drop in markdown content blocks so you can write in markdown. It, It really is super simple, and you can make that website feel awesome. They also ensure security and stability at all times, and Squarespace is trusted by millions of people around the world for these reasons, including their 24-7 support. They have live chat and email. They're always there when you need them. And this will help you if you have any qu- queries or concerns or questions. Squarespace is on hand to help you out 24-7. Squarespace's site templates all feature responsive design, so they look great on all devices on all sizes and this goes all the way across their whole platform into things like their cover page their commerce platform which allows anybody to add a store to their site which we use at relay fm to sell our stickers and stuff like that um, and also squarespace have their dev platform so if you do understand the code and you do want to make some tweaks and stuff like that you can go in and you can make those changes and push the squarespace site further than ever before squarespace plans start at just eight dollars a month and if you sign up for a year you also get yourself a free domain name as well you can start a free trial today with no credit card required and start building your website by going to squarespace.com and when you decide to sign up make sure that you use the offer code world w-o-r-l-d at checkout not only will you support connected if you do so you'll get 10 percent of your first purchase as well thank you so much to squarespace for their support of this show and relay fm squarespace build it beautiful so Stephen, what did you do this week <laughs> it was really interesting listening to federico describe his process with this video and because that basically did everything uh, completely, like you said, completely the opposite way, completely, <laughs> completely different. Um, down even to the subject matter where Federico had um, beautiful dancing people. I had other people's used iPod Nanos, <laughs> not quite the same. Still a beautiful collection, nevertheless. Far less music, uh, far less dancing. Um, so I've as we have discussed on the show, have a uh, growing collection of Apple stuff. And I've written about it for years. I mean, if you look at the Apple history archives on 512, it goes way back. But I thought a, a new fun way to talk about some of that stuff would be with video. And so this is the first in what I hope will be uh, a long series of videos talking about the history and, and showing off, you know, in this case, the seven generations of iPod Nano. So I've, I've, gathered one example of each generation and talked about it and put put a little four and a half minute thing together and basically in a completely different way and i think a much more traditional way than what federico did but you know was able to have something at the end of it that is on youtube in 1080p that i'm you know happy with so we end up in the same place but came about it a very different way no iOS devices whatsoever involved in mine. Uh, everything was shot on a, a Sony RX100 Mark III. Why did you choose that and not your iPhone, just out of interest? Uh, the uh, I did I did try it with the iPhone, and the iPhone did, does a good job. Uh, the Sony does a really good job 
though um, tightening the the depth of field a little bit and and making the that background washed out a little bit. I shot it all in a uh, a light box, and I really wanted the background to be basically just completely just blown out. And uh, Sony did a better job of that than the iPhone. I, I definitely could have done it on the iPhone. I mean, the, the iPhone footage. I mean, no surprise, it does a, a wonderful job. But I like the way the Sony looked a little bit better. Uh, but it does come with those trade-offs, like Frederick was saying. You can you can go back and you can look at it on camera, but it's really best to pop that SD card out and and import it. In my case, into Final Cut Pro 10 on the Mac. And the um, like Federico, my video has audio in it, but I didn't use the audio from the camera. I narrated the the whole thing. Uh, a couple of days later, actually, into the microphone I'm talking in right now, into my my podcasting setup, and so the the audio at the time, you know, of filming like has like my you know, our one year old was walking around the house babbling, and you know he's in there, so I yeah, cut out cut all cut all that out. Um, but it was all done uh, in Final Cut Pro 10. And why did you choose Final Cut? I will say I have very little video experience, but the little bit of video experience I have is in Final Cut Pro 10, just because it's what's been available to me in the past. I have um, now I pay for Adobe Creative Cloud and have Premiere. I can download it and install it, but uh, I'm I'm just a little more familiar with Final Cut Pro 10. And that's not to say I'm an expert. It's not to say that I'm even competent. It's just the the little degree of knowledge I have is is in that app and. I know, especially on the Mac, that you know people kind of choose their camp and live in it, and and that's fine. But it, it got the job done for me. Uh, I will say that as someone who uses Logic every week and is pretty proficient at Logic, uh, Logic and Final Cut Pro Ten are much more different than you would expect them to be. So, yeah. like e- even the way you go in and make cuts and the keyboard shortcuts, like they're not the same. And I. Uh, yeah, I really wish they were because my logic muscle memory uh, was actually harmful in places at Final Cut. So that that was just surprising to me that uh, they're not more similar in the way they operate. But uh, I guess they, they are very different tools and that's fine. Um, I did do a, a little bit of shooting on an iPod Nano, the fifth gen iPod Nano had a video camera because, uh, and it's in the keynote, Apple wanted to go after the flip cam. So... Good job, I guess, killing those guys off. Well, Flip is dead, <laughs> so maybe. Yeah, maybe I think that had more to do it. with the iPhone than the iPod Nano, but nah. um, you know, the Nano was always Apple's playground to a degree, and and they tried different things, and they made it a new one every year for six years, I think, to keep it fresh and to keep it people wanting the new one. And, and 150 bucks, it was a good Christmas present, and uh, I think they just tried things and. That video, you walk through, some of those iPod Nanos are much stranger than others. Um, but I'll, I'll say that even doing four and a half minutes, and I, I did very little color correction. I did a little bit. I did, you know, obviously I had my audio tracking. I had uh, still images that I dropped in uh, into the thing as well. That even on a current generation 15-inch MacBook Pro, like, you're waiting for the render time, and you're hearing the fans spin up, and the computer is working. Uh, it's it's not necessarily a walk in the park to put something like this together from a hardware perspective. And so, hats off to the iPad Pro to be able to do this sort of work um, in that form factor with the thermal constraints and no fans. It, it really is, It's I'm in awe of what the iPad Pro can do. Seeing what my 
much more expensive, much more powerful 15-inch MacBook Pro struggle to do. And it's not to say that my render times were long. It's not to say that, you know, my computer was getting ready to take off like a jet, but it it was noticeable. I mean, when it was rendering, my computer was rendering. It wasn't doing much else. And uh, so it's really, really impressive what is just how capable the iPad has become and 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 really how amazing that, that Apple chipset is in that thing that it can keep up with this sort of work is it really just blows me away. Uh but I will say I think the big difference in listening to Federico's workflow and thinking about my own is that mine was all done in one program. It was all done in Final Cut, including the voiceover work where I uh, had Final Cut open, and Final Cut has a record voiceover function. It's very similar to what like we record in QuickTime or Call Record or something, where there's just a a button you go in there and you can record it. Uh, but you can see the video at the same time, so it's kind of nice to know where you are. I did all of that in Final Cut Pro. I didn't have to go out and do something somewhere else and then re-import it and and kind of do that that dancing around a little bit that Federico did. And that was nice. And I know depending on what you're doing, you have to do that even on the Mac. I'm not saying that's a unique thing, but uh, it was kind of nice that all these tools were in one program. Now that program is a multitude times more expensive than what Federico spent on his software and much more complicated. I mean, I mean, Final Cut Pro 10 does stuff that I just straight up don't understand and, and don't have any need for at this point where I feel like on iOS the tools are a little more sharpened and you can get something that does just what you need to do and nothing else, but it does that really well. It's always been an interesting um, trade-off and like a different approach in, in desktop software and mobile software to me. I was thinking about this a couple of days ago um, about kind of apps on iOS and apps on the Mac. And it really is now, at least in my opinion, uh, apps are just more exciting on iOS. And I think it's because this is where the movement is. This is where like the idea of like kind of like the unbundling type thing, right? That people make specific tools that do specific things. And then because of that, you use way more apps on iOS, which means that there's a larger market, more choice. And I, I think that's what's pushing me to do a lot more of my work on iOS these days is that there seems to just be more excitement and more movement in the apps that I use than there is on the yeah. Mac. It's very rare that I will add a new Mac app to the system, right? It just doesn't happen so much. The things that I have are the things that exist, but I'm adding new iOS apps like basically on a daily basis, things that I'm trying out, things I'm excited to check out, and that just doesn't happen for me on the Mac. It, it It's just interesting, and, and maybe it's the way that desktop software should be. You you look in the Mac App Store and you can kind of see that trend where the Mac App Store is chock full of these little utilities or, or little programs that do I feel a like, handful of things. I feel like if you were to just go to the Mac App Store and look at everything, like you could do that. Like you could just scroll through and see every icon and it wouldn't take you a massive amount of time. You couldn't do that on iOS. Right? Like it would take too long. Yeah, exactly. And 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 iOS is a younger platform. You know, Final Cut Pro 10, even though they ripped all the guts out and everybody set their hair on fire, it really is an old program. You know, it's it's been around for in one form or another for years and years and years. Well, that 
is not the case for all these programs on iOS. Some of them are, and some of them have been around since the beginning of iOS, but... That beginning wasn't still wasn't a long time ago. Right, right. So it's it that's an interesting thing too, and and, and I wonder if it'll level out over time. But um, that is really um, that really struck me in in thinking about the workflows being so different. Where Final Cut Pro is this big market of stuff, and I can do anything I need to in it. Where on iOS you kind of string it together. But um, anyways. Like I said, at the end of the day, I think what's most interesting about this topic to me is that Federico and I both got, at the end of the day, something we were proud of, something that we, you know, I worked hard on my video, Federico worked hard on his, but it wasn't an insurmountable amount of work, right? I didn't rage smash my MacBook Pro trying to get it to do something. Federico didn't rage smash his iPad Pro trying to get it to do something. It, The tools are there and you can use them, and for people like us who are not professionals in this sense whatsoever, we can make something that looks good and that we're proud of with the tools that we can just go out and purchase. And that is pretty cool. And something that, you know, Federico's next video and the video after that, and the video after that will continue to get better and better. And I hope mine will as well. I think they will. And that's because we can use these tools and push them harder as we learn about them. And I just, that is kind of what computing is about to me that you can, have a picture in your mind of what you want, and then you can go make it and figure it out because of the tools the software gives you. And that's uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. It's fun to explore that sort of that sort of work. Yeah. Yeah, what I like is like looking and watching both of these videos. There's no way that you could tell which one was made on either device, right? There's nothing to say that one was made on iOS and one was made on the Mac. Right. They just look like they were professionally made like there's nothing to say that that oh you can tell that video was made on ios because of x like there's nothing to say that yeah and i think that's a the biggest testament there is the iphone 6s camera that Mm -hmm. its footage really does look like something that you know my sony the rx100 is an expensive camera and i've got a full dslr that uh, i'm going to use in the future but um you know there's even more money but the iPhone success that Federico had in his pocket did, you know, really just as good of a job. And um, if the conditions are right, I mean, Federico gave it the best shot possible being outside, being on a beautiful day. But even inside under studio lights or, you know, in a controlled environment, it does such a fantastic job that unless you really know what to look for or unless it's struggling in low light or something like that, it's more than passable. I mean, it does a great job. Just so, oh, well, you know, because this video was about iPod Nanos. That original Nano, best best iPod, best looking iPod, in my opinion. Yeah, the uh, the the one before they went with colors, that went with white and black. Yeah, the first one, the white and black one. Yeah, it's they they, they all have their charms, except <laughs> so you look at the YouTube comments or on Reddit or in my email. Uh, everyone has a very strong opinion about the third generation, the sort of fat, squatty one. Um, a lot of people really love it. Like they say, oh, it's my first iPod. It's my favorite. Uh, you know, I still have it. And then the other side of the coin is that's the worst one by far. What were they thinking? It's just funny to see people's uh, responses to that. Or, you know, Apple returned to the candy bar form factor for the fourth and fifth gen. And they they sort of in the keynote, they're like, yeah, we are going back to the previous design. Sorry about that that thing it's just it kind of cracked me up how people responded to it so yeah they did that with a shuffle didn't they the one that had no buttons and then they went back yeah 
Yeah, maybe we could see a shuffle video from you one day. I have them all. I mean, I've got, yeah, I, I have all the hardware. I just haven't done it. I thought the Nano would be fun to start with because a lot of people had them. Um, they were colorful. I, I bought mine are all, if you haven't watched the video, in all blue, except for the first one I did in white. But um, it's just fun to see. Like, they were just a fun product. And I think that resonated with a lot of people. Even if you didn't own a Nano, you wanted one. And I think that is one reason, like that's a reason that I picked it first. Uh, I could have done something more esoteric or unusual, and I'll get to that stuff. But I thought the Nano was like a good universal first topic. So, did you own any of the Nanos, Federica? Uh, no, never. I always uh, had uh, the iPod Classic right. before getting an iPhone. Yeah. I mean, I think I had maybe one. I think I only got the first Nano. That thing, man. That's a good look. Yeah. It's funny now. They're also, I mean, the biggest one you could ever get was 16 gig. Um, that might be wrong, but I, I'm pretty, I don't think they ever did a 32 gig nano. But those first ones were like two gigs, four gigs, eight gigs. And it's really, um, I mean, trying to like decide what two gigs of music I want to sync to something now is just an impossible task. Like, um, I, I mean, well, obviously we all lived in that era for a long time, but now in the era of streaming or 64 gig phones or, you know, whatever, like two gigs just seems so small. But, uh, you know, at the time it was so much cheaper than the full size iPod. Then it really, it was great. And the, the seventh gen nano, the one that has lightning and Bluetooth and everything, that's my workout iPod. And it's one that I take to the gym or if I'm riding my bike, the one or mowing the grass, uh, that's the one I use because my phone is big and and the iPod is so small and like that's where the Nano really fit in and uh, I think people bought them as secondary iPods a lot which is kind of crazy to think about but I think it definitely happened. I had no idea that that had lightning. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what Marco said. I, I I shared the video in our in the relay Slack a couple of days ago, um, and several people were like, I didn't know they still made it or I didn't know it had lightning. Um, which is, it's pretty funny. Yeah, the, the last two were weird because they, they look like iOS, like five and six, but they're not iOS. Uh, they run the iPod software still, but made to look like they don't. It's all very strange and, and, and crazy, but, um, it is what it is, I guess. If you want to find the links for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 74. If you want to find us all online, you can go to maxstories.net for Federico. You can go to 5twopixels.net for Stephen. And we are all on Twitter as well. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen is I-S-M-H and I-M-I-M-Y-K-E. I'm Mike on Twitter. Thanks again to our sponsors for this week, Squarespace and PDF Pen 7 from Smile. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.